Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. And I want to talk to us this morning, if we could have that first slide there, Chad, on Christ in you. If there's a couple of different things that uh, you've heard me say time and time again, one would be John 10.10. For Satan comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Well, if we could get that verse alone down on the inside of us and understand that whenever bad things happen, it's because the devil comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've overcome the world. Hallelujah. The other thing you hear me say a lot is... uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I want to talk to us this morning about Christ in you. What, what does that really mean? What all does that entail? And how important it is for us to have an understanding of this simple term and what's said in Scripture about Christ being in us. It's, a, it's an incredible thing when we begin to understand the depth of Christ in you. Paul refers to the indwelling of Christ 216 times. John mentions his indwelling presence 26 times. In uh, Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. You know, a lot of us would have trouble saying the same thing that Paul says. We would have a hard time saying this same thing. I've been crucified with with Christ. In other words, I've died. I have died to myself and I'm living for Christ. I've been crucified with him. A lot of us would have a hard time saying that. No, I'm too busy living my life, right? I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Well, now, wait a minute. I've got grandkids I want to see get engaged. I got, I got grandkids I want to enjoy. You know, I, I enjoy all of you. No, he says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Next would be 1 John 4, 4. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. How many times have we quoted that? How many times have you quoted that to yourself? He who is in me is greater than he is who is in the world. But we give very little thought to what it says. He who is in me. Christ is in us. And it's a powerful thing whenever we have that understanding. You, you understand That you and I, as believers, we have a tremendous advantage over everybody else in the world who doesn't have Christ. We have a tremendous advantage because of Jesus Christ. And those of us who have, even among believers, those of us who have a revelation of what it means, Christ in you, you have a greater advantage over even other believers. Because we have to have a revelation of what it means Christ in us. There's such a mingling. There's such a a oneness. It gets to the place where you can't tell where one starts and the other one ends. There's such a a oneness that takes place between us. 
Hallelujah. So we're going to talk about this this morning, about what this means to have Christ in us. You know, this is my 50th year as a believer. I was saved. I was out of high school one year. So in the summer of 1972, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So this is my 50th year. It's my year of Jubilee. I, I'm being set free from some stuff. Hallelujah. I believe it. But you know, I've, I've noticed that uh, what the Lord has really been showing me these past several months is how much that I've taken for granted uh, in my Christian walk. Uh, how many things that I've learned, but I've not really walked in the fullness of those things. How much deeper scriptural principles are than what I've understood. How I've uh, desired to walk in the deeper things of God, but so many times I found, find myself walking in the shallows of what He has and what He's appropriated to us. And so the Lord is showing me these areas in my life, and, and many times it's these very common things, like John 10.10, 10, or like Christ in us, the hope of glory, that He's beginning to show me the deeper parts of that, and that's what I want to try to convey to you this morning, and maybe you can attest to the same thing. You can look back on your life and say, you know, I've not really walked in the deeper things. I'm not really getting into everything that he means in that scripture. I'm not understanding the fullness of his truths. Hallelujah. Christ in us. So here's just a reminder. Since the uh, creation of man, there's, there's really been a process that has had to take place. For us to get to the place where we have Christ in us. Because it starts back with Adam walking in the cool of the, of the day with God. He's walking with God. We have uh, there's spe uh, specific uh, mentions of Enoch, Noah, and Levi who walked with God. And we know that God manifested himself with Moses in the burning bush. And he was with the Israelites in the uh, pillar of fire by night and the pillar of smoke by day. But so far, all of those things concerning God have been out there. So then we have God himself. Imagine this. God himself decides he's the creator of all the universe. He says, I'm going to contain myself to a little box. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. That's where his prayer. God, who is everywhere, he knows everything at all times. He, he decides, I want to be with my people. So he confines himself. To that. And then we have the temple, that he's within the holy of holies of the temple. But he wasn't satisfied with that kind of presence with us. So then on the cross, the curtain was torn, and access both ways, us to him and him to us, began to take place. Hallelujah. So he's wanting to be with us more than what he was whenever he was just out there. But it's still not over with because on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and he began to dwell in us. You and I are the temple of the Most High God. And it just amazes me that God who created everything, who knows everything, will, will dwell within us. He's going to take up residence. We, we should feel tremendously honored that we get a host, the very presence, the very person of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are in you if you've received Christ as your Savior. 
How much do we take that for granted? How much do we not even think about it? How much of our life do we live not recognizing the fact that Christ is in us and that we are the carriers of his persona? We are the carriers of his presence. We are the carriers of his power. And we need to recognize and know who we are in Christ to to understand that this Christ in us is more than just a nice little scripture. It's so meaningful. It's so powerful. Hallelujah. In fact, Hebrews 4, 6 says this, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Hallelujah. He wants us to come bold. Why? Because he wants that relationship with us one-on-one. Praise the Lord. Now I want to clarify, where is it that he lives? If he's on the inside of us, where, where is it? Is he from your head to your toes? Is he uh, inside your belly? You know, we're, we're just where is Christ? He said Christ in us. Well, you know, there's, there's differences between our spirit, soul, and body. It's our spirit that was instantaneously saved and redeemed the very moment you receive Christ as your Savior. But our soul is a process in saving. Romans 12, 2 says that there's a renewing of the mind. That's a process to renew your mind. Your mind is, is your soul. That's the soul realm. The, the mind, the will, and the emotions. Um, Romans 12, 2, as I said. And then Galatians 4, 19. My little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Christ being formed in us. That's in our mind, our will, and our emotions is a process. And then James 1.21, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So our mind, our will, and our emotions is a process of saving. And have you noticed that your body hasn't been saved yet? It's still a, that's, that's going to be a long process, and one of these days... Whenever we lay this old temple down, then we'll pick up the new one. That's when the new one is renewed, or the, the, the body is renewed, is when we pass away from here and we receive that new glorified body. So our spirit is instantaneously saved, our soul is in the process of being saved, and our body will someday be saved. If you was ugly before you got saved, guess what? You still ugly. <laughs> Let's just give you one more thing to pray about. Amen. <laughs> the reason I bring all that up is so that we understand that whenever Christ comes in us, he lives in our spirit. It's, it's the spirit man who is the real us. The spirit man has been born again, has been redeemed. It was instantaneously, miraculously saved and transformed. It was, in, it was cleansed. It was made righteous. Whenever we talk about the righteousness of God, it's our spirit man that has been made righteous. Hallelujah. And so whenever he lives in us, he's abiding in our spirit man. And we become so much in oneness that it should get to the place where you cannot tell the difference between his spirit and our spirit. 
Now, somebody would say, well, now, that, that just can't be. I mean, I, I know what goes on in, in my thinking. I, I know what goes on. You're talking about the soulish realm. Yeah, in the soulish realm, we, we struggle. It's a process of getting that soul saved, of getting that mind renewed. I'm talking about your spirit. The spirit man is instantaneously, miraculously saved, and it's his spirit that dwells in our spirit. And we are supposed to get to the place. The, the way we operate is from body, soul, and spirit. We're supposed to be operating from spirit, soul, and body. It's our spirit that is supposed to be those who are led by the spirit of God. They are the sons of God. So it's the spirit that's supposed to be transforming our mind, our will, and our emotions that causes us to act the way we're supposed to in the physical. Does that make sense? But too many times we're allowing the, the body to tell us to have that third piece of pie when we know we shouldn't. We're allowing the body to dictate what, what feels good, just do it. And we allow the body to dictate the way we flow in life. And it's supposed to be just the opposite, spirit, soul, and body. And so when we have Christ in us and we understand that we are supposed to operate from our spirit because his spirit has renewed us, it makes for a totally different lifestyle, a totally different mindset, a totally different way of living. Praise the Lord. James 1.21 once again, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. There again, it's, it's a process. But here's what's cool about the process. Sam shared this in Sunday school class this morning. Whenever you get saved, you come from this, this old life up to the moment that you are saved. You don't start from that day trying to do better, trying to go forward with God. And trying your best to do what you can do. You start at that very moment being a renewed person. You have been born again. You're no longer the old. The old is gone. 2 Corinthians 5.17 The old is gone. The new has come. You start from that very moment being renewed. And you begin to walk in the newness of life from that point forward. You don't try to get the old to catch up. The old is gone. Does that make sense? Now, I know that this is harder for us to do than it is to just talk about. But try to get out of your mindset that I have to try harder. I have to do better because all you're going to do is wind up with your own self-induced, self-effort righteousness that will never measure up. And so whenever we begin to realize, man, at the moment I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I am a new person. And I want to begin to operate and flow out of that. Now, are we supposed to try and do better? Well, sure we are. But we do that because we're saved. And when we begin to operate from our new born again man, it begins to make a difference. If you have the mindset of, I've just got to try hard, then, then you're taking it on yourself. Hallelujah. All right. What does it mean to have this Christ 
in us. We're born again, we're grafted, we're adopted, and there's such a mingling that he has bought us and he's brought us into the family and the spirit. And you just can't tell where one starts and the other ends. And so what this Christ in us means, that's in Colossians 1.27 and Galatians 2.20. Let me tell you what it does not mean. It does not mean more of him and less of me. And I'm going to take the rest of my time here this morning to kind of explain that to you. It does not mean more of him and less of me. Because how much of you did he save? All of you. How much of you did he redeem? All. How much did he make righteous? All. How much did he cleanse? He cleansed all of us. And so then we have to begin to think about, okay, how much of ourselves are we to surrender to him? All. Amen. How much of ourselves are we to give him control of? All of us. So it's not more of him and less of me. It's all of him and all of me. Whenever we get to that point, once again, where we come out of the old into the new, it's not more. I just want more of God. There's nothing wrong with. Here's the mindset of that statement, though. That mindset of more of him and less of me is an Old Testament mindset. More of him is settling for not all of him. And less of me is basically saying the less of me, that, that, that part of me that's sinful. You know, that part of me that just can't seem to, to get over the hump. That part, yeah, we want less of me because... You know, after all, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. That's that mindset of that. It's not more of him and less of me. It's all of him and all of me because all of me has been saved, redeemed, set free, cleansed. Does that make sense? And so when we begin to flow with God in our everyday life, realizing that it's all of him and it's all of me. He wants all of us. Then we begin to see some transformation take place. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, Jesus, let me, let me pose this thought to you. Jesus was not holy because he focused his efforts on avoiding sin. Think about that for a moment. Jesus was not holy because he focused his efforts on avoiding sin. Instead, he refused to allow there to be any possible explanation for the quality of his life outside of Father God dwelling in him as man. Let me read that to you again. Jesus was not holy because he focused his efforts on avoiding sin. Instead, he refused to allow there to be any possible explanation for the quality of his life outside of Father as God, dwelling in him as man. That's the way you and I are supposed to live. We are supposed to live our lives wholly, and that is not because we have tried harder. It's because there cannot be any other explanation for the way that I live other than Christ in me, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. That makes a total difference in the way you live your Christian walk, your Christian life. Hallelujah. And so the more we understand that, the more we're going to 
have a, a joyful, wonderful life. Hallelujah. How do we steward all of Him? Are you uh, just stewarding part of Him? What kind of dedication have you made to the Lord? Are you all in? I'm challenging you this morning. And many times we put that responsibility of how we're stewarding him. We put that back on him. We say, Lord, give me more of you. Well, he's already given us all of him he's going to give. He already gave it all. On the cross, he gave it all. And so for us to say, Lord, I want more of you. is kind of putting the responsibility back on him. He's already given us his all. We just have to learn to walk in it. Hallelujah. So it's all of him. And it's all of us. William Booth. I think I have a picture there. William Booth. He's the founder of the Salvation Army. And Salvation Army, back whenever it was founded, really in its first, excuse me, in its first 50 years was nothing what, what we see today with the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army was a powerful, uh, just an awesome move of God across our nation. And William Booth uh, was asked, why it was that God was using him so powerfully. And he says this, if there's anything of power in the Salvation Army today, it's because God has all of the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, and all the influence of my life. Hallelujah. He's living in the all. Praise the Lord. The, the next one, Rodney Gypsy Smith, he got saved whenever he was 16 years old. His father led him to the Lord and he's called Gypsy because that's just what he was. He was a gypsy. He got saved at the age of 16, and he had never been to, to a, a single day of school in his life. He did not, not know how to read or write whenever he got saved. And he began to carry around a dictionary and a Bible, and all of his friends made fun of him. And he became one of the, the leading uh, evangelists of the late 1800s, early 1900s, had thousands of people who came to his meetings, and he was very uneducated whenever he first started out. But the Lord educated him. And he said, I didn't go through your colleges and seminaries. They wouldn't have me. But I have been to the feet of Jesus where the only true scholarship is learned. He's been to the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to challenge you this morning. Are you spending time at the feet of Jesus? Or are you too busy? There's a lot of things to do in life. A lot of things to accomplish. A lot of things to go to. And a lot of people to see. A lot of work to be done. Are you spending time with Jesus? And are you allowing him to be all of him in your life? And all of you. Hallelujah. Consider this thought. I'm going to challenge your thinking here in, in, in this one. Give me, a, give me time to explain this as well. There's a better question than WWJD. What would Jesus do? It is, what am I to do in this situation with Jesus living inside of me? Do you see the difference? What would Jesus do or what would we do in this situation? Oh, that's powerful difference if you grab hold of it, if you're with me this morning. 
What would Jesus do means I'm going to observe and watch what he does, and then I'm going to try to do that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but that's not the fullness. I'm just saying there's a better way of doing it. And the better way of doing it is not just seeing what he's doing, but understand he's on the inside of me and he's wanting us to do it together. And so he's saying to us, he's leading us by his spirit down on the inside. And he says, now, Ron, I'm not going to just show you how to do this. We're going to do it together. (laughs) Oh, I hope you get this. It's a totally different way to walk out your Christian life. And whenever I understand that, man, the God of the universe has placed himself on the inside of me and he's, he's wanting us to do things together. It's incredible. So then whenever you read scriptures like Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That should give us a different picture of what he's really saying in that scripture it's not that i can i can do all things through christ who strengthens me just because he's out here somewhere and he's strengthening me to to be able to do that no it's not out it's in he's operating from within i can do all things through christ you could add to that who is on the inside of me who strengthens me hallelujah Can you see how if you become Christ conscious with him on the inside of you, how you might live your life a little differently? You might not go to some of the places you go. You might not do some of the things you do. You might do some of the things a little differently. And I'm in the same boat. Speaking of the boat, I'm just reminded of, uh, you remember whenever the disciples were in a boat. They were in the middle of the Sea of Galilee at three in the morning, in the middle of a storm that's about to sink their boat. And you think, you know, what are they doing there? They were fishermen. They, They should have understood these things. But actually, Jesus sent them out there. He put them in the boat and he told them, he said, go to the other side. He goes up into the mountain and prays. And they're out here in the midst of the storm. And they are rocking and, and, and just one fearing for their life. And suddenly they see what they thought was a ghost walking out across the water. And suddenly Peter has this revelation and he says, Jesus, if it is you, command me to come to you. I love that. He's saying, if you command me, Jesus, I can do that. You know, up to this point. The disciples had seen Jesus perform 19 miracles that had never, ever been seen before. And just 15 hours before this, they had been actually part of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And so they were getting to the place, after 19 miracles, you begin to begin to have faith in this guy. You begin to understand that he's the real deal. And you begin to to say, I want to be like him. And so whenever Jesus commanded Peter to come, uh, Peter flung his legs over the edge of the boat. He wasn't saying, I see Jesus doing this. I can do that. No. 
He's saying, Jesus commanded me to come and we are in oneness. I am in, I am in him and he is in me. I will do this because I can do all things through him who just commanded me to come. There's a difference in that. Of him having faith that he can walk on water because Jesus was walking on water. Or I can walk on water because he commanded me to and I'm going to do it because he is in me and I am in him. And therefore, we will do this together. When was it that Peter began to sink? When he got his eyes off of Jesus and put it on the storm. But the awesome thing is we give Peter a hard time. Peter walked on the water. I've only done that when it was six inches thick of ice. Can, can you? Oh, I just hope you're grabbing this this morning. It, it, it revolutionizes our walk with the Lord when we understand it is Christ in us. He's the motivator of everything I think, do, and say. Whenever I try to relinquish every ambition, whenever I try to relinquish every emotion, whenever I try to, to give myself over to the one that is on the inside of me, it causes me to live different. It causes me to think different. It causes me to have, have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Jesus was speaking to his disciples in John 14, 20. And he says this. At that day you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. Hallelujah. So whom do you want dwelling in you? Less of you or all of you and all of him? Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 6.17 But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Isn't it amazing how these scriptures are right here in front of us and we just kind of read over them. We just kind of gloss over them. And we, don't, we don't grasp the depth of what that is talking about. We're, we're one spirit with him. Glory. We've read this scripture a time or three before. 1 John 4, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we. In this world. That is an amazing statement. How could they even put that in there? It is just. You know. If it's too good to be true. It probably is. Well this is one of those things. It's just almost too good to be true. As he is. So are we. In this world. How can that be? Whenever we begin to live. Knowing that he is in us. And our spirits are one. Glory. Glory. This doesn't happen. By just living your life the way you want to live. It doesn't happen by you just nonchalantly live your Christian life. Christian life. No, we have to. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after him. That's the kind of life we have to live. To cause this to come alive and to be real. Glory. Here's an Old Testament thinking in this scripture. This is where we have to renew our mind. This is Isaiah 64.1. This is how some of us still pray today. Oh, that you would rend the heavens. That you would come down. That the mountains might shake at your presence. Here's what I want us to see this morning. This is a part of our renewing our mind. This is not a, a 
a New Testament prayer. That's an Old Testament prayer. Oh, that you would rend the heavens. Man, that, that, that's wonderful that he would rend the He's already rent the heavens. Do you remember whenever the dove came down and ascended upon Jesus and he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He rent the heavens to do that. Whenever he saved you, he rent the heavens and he broke through every demonic power that tried to keep you to come from coming to him. He rent the heavens then. He's already rent the heavens. Hallelujah. That you would come down. He's already come down. He's living in us. So it's a renewing of our mind from Old Testament to New Testament in certain areas. Praise the Lord. We're living on this side of the cross, not on the back side of the cross. Praise the Lord. So with all of that, God the Father put Jesus the Son inside of each and every believer by the power of the Holy Spirit. Glory, glory, glory. C.S. Lewis, I'm going to close here with this, with this uh, quote. C.S. Lewis, powerful writer and Christian author and uh, believer in Christ. He says, when an individual is wholly God's, he will be more himself than ever before. <clears throat> Whenever you and I get to the place where we have this revelation of Christ in us, and we begin to live from the inside out instead of the outside in, we will be ourselves more than ever before. And you'll be who Christ wants you to be for this life. And you'll be able to do things beyond your imagination. He'll call you to do things that you'll think are impossible. But you know that through Christ Jesus, all things are possible. Because of him on the inside of you. The two of you are one. Have you received Christ as your Savior? Is there anyone here this morning who has not received Christ as your Savior and you would like to this morning? It's very simple. We just pray a prayer. We ask that your sins be forgiven. You recognize that you're a sinner and that you're in need of a Savior. And then you just ask Him to forgive you of your sin, come into your heart. He will miraculously and instantaneously save your spirit. And you will be one with Him for the rest of your life. Is there anybody here this morning who would say, I want to receive Christ as my Savior this morning? Looks like everybody's saved here this morning. Praise the Lord. Let me, let me challenge you with this thought. When did eternity start for you? Was it when you received Christ as your Savior? When you, when eternity started for you was a moment you was conceived. That's when eternity started for you. Because every person upon the face of the earth, whether they receive Christ or whether they don't, once they have been conceived, they will live forever. You're either going to live eternally in heaven when you die from here, or you're going to live eternally in hell. And I'm thankful that by no one raising their hand this morning means we're all redeemed. We're all saved. We're all going to heaven. We all are going to live eternity together in heaven. Hallelujah. Good news. Amen. 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 Let's stand.
I'm not sure I got that across to you the smoothest this morning, but I do know one thing. If you will get a revelation of this, it'll not only change you, it'll change your family, it'll change your community, it'll change our church. Praise the Lord. Father, I thank you. I thank you for these people. And I would ask your blessing upon them. May you bless their going in and their coming out. May you bless them in the city and in the country. Father, cause each and every one of us to live in the presence of the Savior. We give you the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit harmonychurchfamily.org.